are a firefighter and an EMS professional. You are a part of a worldwide brotherhood of dedicated servants and you put your life on the line every day for others. Because of that, you deserve better. We are often our own worst enemies and it's time to own it. Let's work to improve and change the status quo. That change starts with us, right here, right now. In every situation we're faced with, as we see a need, we own it and we act. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited. Hey everyone, my name is Ryan Rodriguez and I'm the founder of Ignited and your host for the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. The Ignited Movement is a battalion of firefighters who challenge the status quo through a forum dedicated to self-improvement and accountability. In each of these episodes, we discuss a myriad of different things challenging the fire service today, from leadership and tactics to how to improve ourselves physically as well as mentally. We aim to civilize the mind but make savage the body. And even though the focus is on the fire service, topics and principles we discuss span all kinds of professions. That being said, let's light the spark. Suicide Awareness Month is wrapping up as September comes to an end, but that doesn't mean we should stop making plans to improve our mentalities as well as our bodies. I've put a focus on mental health and wellness this month with a little bit of physical awareness thrown in because it's important to remember that the body follows the mind, but it's equally as important to remember that the mind follows the body as well. One impacts the other, but how they impact each other is completely up to you, your motivations, and your mindset. Today's episode is a call to arms. A call to arms is a call to defend against a takeover. We are all facing different battles, but that doesn't mean that we can't rally to fight against these battles in similar ways. Prepare for confrontation. Prepare for that big fire. Prepare for a situation where you'll need to harness your emotions in order to get your job done. I'm going to review some strategies that can help you become better prepared to defend the castle walls of your mind and get your body into a place where you can physically overcome the challenges that would come your way. All right, I've got eight strategies lined up for you guys, and no better place to start than at the beginning. So number one, get in shape. I've talked numerous times about how physical strength and physical fitness is a requirement to do this job and to do it well, and anyone who would argue that is making excuses for their laziness, period. There's no excuse that a person could use to justify their lack of fitness for this job. There are numerous benefits that you'll reap once you start putting a designated focus on your physical fitness. Not only does your physical health improve, but you gain insight at mental growth and resiliency in the face of adversity. Back in episode 37, I talk about how physical exercise gives you mental benefits. Exercise helps you battle depression, anxiety, stress, PTSD, and trauma. In that episode, I talk about exactly how physical exercise keeps these things at bay. I also give you some strategies to incorporate physical exercise into your life. So if you want to hear how I go a little bit more in depth into each of those, then please go back and listen to that episode. Again, that's episode 37. If you're listening to this right now and you're thinking to yourself, man, I should really get into shape then it's time to take action. Do something today that will get you moving. It can be something as small as taking a 10-minute walk. In fact, one thing you could do 
is listen to a podcast or something that'll keep your mind occupied so you feel like you're being more productive. Oftentimes, people need more levels of motivation to do something. And in an age where we can and are encouraged to do multiple things at once, we sometimes feel guilty if we don't have several things going on at the same time. Don't allow that sense of guilt to set in and take that small step forward by listening to a podcast episode or a new album you may have downloaded or something. Just do something and do it today. If you don't know where to start or you're looking to change up your regimen, I have an inexpensive resource that I've created that can help you get started. It's a program that I created for the fire department that I work for as a pure fitness trainer. It's a program that gives you a complete layout for 28 days. I give you the science behind the movement elements, what exercises should be included, and how to construct a workout so that you aren't spending all day in the gym. All the exercises included are relative to the movements that we oftentimes find ourselves naturally doing while on the fire ground. There's a link on my website that'll take you to a page where you can purchase the 28-day ignition plan, and I sell it for $28. It's literally a dollar a day. And like I said, if you're looking for a, a regimented program, something that can help you get back into the shape you were in in the fire academy, or help you get ready to test with a fire department, go to the website, click the link, and invest $28 in yourself. I work this program personally, myself, because I understand that our workouts should be regimented, measurable, and not time-consuming. I've incorporated all of those elements in this program. So even if you don't download what I've put together, you should find something that's working for you something that appeals to you, regardless of what it is. You need to be doing something every day that gets your heart rate up and your body moving. This career isn't the kind where you should feel okay in busting your butt to get hired and then spending the next 20 years in a recliner. That's severely unprofessional and incredibly entitled. And when you're in the business of serving others, but you have an entitled and selfish attitude, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. This job is very physically demanding, and the science supports us being ranked along with professional athletes in regards to the stress put on our bodies and the discipline that it takes to maintain our ability to perform. If you aren't willing to put the work in, all you are is an imposter. Number two, become a great problem solver. What we do as firefighters and EMS professionals is solve problems for a living. From the ridiculous snake call to the mass casualty incident, we are charged with solving problems that people can't solve for themselves. We are the types of people who have an ability to take an active approach to solving problems, and sometimes it may seem ridiculous or even annoying to be called to the homes of some people uh, that we serve for the reasons that we've been called there. But it's important to remember that we've been called to help, no matter the nature of the call. So... How do we foster our ability to solve problems? How do we hone that skill? There are two elements to solving problems. Number one, solving the actual problem. And number two, not adding to the drama. Let's talk about how we refine both of these elements. Number one, solve the actual problem. As firefighters and EMS professionals, we are trained to systematically hone in on the root of the issue and make an intervention. That could mean kicking a door in and working toward the seat of the fire, or asking a series of questions to identify the possible crux of the physical ailment troubling our patient in a gentle manner so that they feel safe and cared for. Our job 
is to identify the problem and either remove the problem from our customer or remove our customer from the problem. There are a few ways that we can improve our ability to solve problems. We can work out our brains by uh, using logic puzzles or games like chess or Sudoku. Another way to hone our ability is to perform an after-action review on any and every 911 call situation that we're called to. So what this does is it helps us think dynamically instead of a, a limited specific path. I can't tell you how many times I see paramedics and firefighters get stuck in their way of thinking and they think they can only go down this one algorithm, uh, even to the detriment of the situation or condition of the patient. For example, I just ran on an elderly gentleman who was experiencing nausea and vomiting as a result of eating a food that normally results in nausea and vomiting for him. So go figure, right? This guy just really, he's got to have his papaya, I guess, apparently. I don't know. Um, but anyway, the medic who was leading the call wanted to start an IV and give Zofran, which is an anti-nausea medication, anti-emetic. Uh, now, I'm over here thinking, if he ate something that he knows will cause him to throw up, why don't we just allow his body to do its job and get that food out of his system, get it out of his belly? So that's exactly what I did. The family and the patient were adamant that he be seen in an emergency room, which was completely needless. And it should have been explained to the patient and family by the medic leading the call, but it was clear that that wasn't going to happen. So uh, he wound up being transported by ambulance to an emergency room, but I did a little follow-up with this patient, uh, with the transport crew, as to how the patient fared. And it turns out, once he got to the ER and he vomited up that coveted papaya, he felt much better, and the doctor released him without doing any treatments whatsoever. Was the fact that he was transported to an ER by ambulance a bad thing? No, not necessarily. But it wasn't the appropriate thing either. He didn't need to go by ambulance to an ER. What he needed was to vomit that papaya out of his body that he knew would cause that very problem. What he needed was a paramedic who should have seen or should have been his advocate. And, and that means sometimes telling our patients when they don't need to go to the hospital. Our inability to solve problems in an appropriate manner is what separates the professional from the amateur. Just like we wouldn't use an elevated master stream to put out a small trash can fire in an office building, we'd, we'd use a small extinguisher, right? So, I mean, like would an elevated master stream ultimately put the fire out? Yeah, absolutely it would. And it would probably punch a few holes in several office walls too. But that's not an appropriate response. Our jobs as professionals is to, our, our job as professionals, excuse me, is to identify what the appropriate response is, not to call the entire fire department to a small grass fire on the front lawn. Another thing we can do to hone our problem solving skills is yoga. Yoga is a practice that can help us work on our mindfulness. During yoga, you're required to connect your body to your mind and control your body into obedience of certain movements. This practice is a great way to set aside specific times during the week and focus on your mental ability to think through a process. Now, I just mentioned uh, after action reviews or AARs. That's another thing we can do. We can perform AARs. If you work for a fire department, or an EMS agency and don't know what an AAR is, 
then your organization is failing you. An AAR is an after action review. Like I said, it's a way for us to review the call that we just ran in order to identify the things that went wrong, as well as the things that went right. We do this in order to better our understanding of the situation, as well as fortify ourselves into a mindset where we will be better prepared for similar situations in the future. You should do an AAR for everything you do. I'm talking everything you do, from cooking a meal, to cleaning a bathroom, to working out, to mowing the lawn. Perform an AAR and refine your approach to the daily problems that you face. So when the problems that don't come around very often pop up, you can face them with the same systematic and calm resolve. Another thing we can do is that we can get a good night's sleep. If you don't have a ritual before bedtime, it's time to create one. To give you an idea of what a, a bedtime ritual looks like, I'll share with you what I do. So about 30 minutes prior to bed, I'll make sure that I'm wearing what I'm going to sleep in. Then I'll brush and floss my teeth. Then I'll wash and lotion my face. And that's what I do pretty much uh, every time before I go to bed, unless I'm dead dog tired and then maybe I just hit the sack. But um, that's few and far between. I stick to this routine pretty religiously. And that's what I do to pretty much guarantee a good night's sleep. Not only am I getting myself physically ready for sleep, but I'm getting mentally ready for sleep as well. As I do this ritual, my brain accepts the process and thinks, oh, he's shutting down. It's time for me to do the same. And my brain goes into standby mode where I'm not suddenly thinking about something stupid I said maybe six months ago and feel the impulse to dissect it for the next two hours until 3 a.m. <laughs> Number three, embrace learning as a way of life. If you aren't learning something new, then you aren't making progress. We aren't perfect. And if you think you are, then you should probably go back to the planet you came from because it's not this one. Having a curiosity and a thirst for knowledge helps you turn your fails into wins and it helps build up your mental resilience. This is important because with knowledge comes power. There are so many examples in the news today where people are being led like sheep to the slaughter in regards to how or what they should think. Rather than being actually informed, people are relying on emotional outcry and outrage to make decisions on how they should view an issue, rather than look at the facts of the situation. Educate yourself. Learn new things. Become a dynamic powerhouse of knowledge and abilities, and those who would try and challenge you are going to think twice. Number four, become an optimist. Now, I take a bit of a different approach to this than, than some people or mo than most people would think, actually. When it comes to being an optimist, I expect the worst and I hope for the best. And let me give you an example so I can help put things into perspective. When training for a fire, I imagine the worst scenario possible like no matter how outrageous it may seem, then I do my best to recreate that scenario. If I'm in an entanglement drill where I'm required to work my way through a bunch of wires that have miraculously collapsed on top of me, all while wearing my full turnout gear and SCBA tank, then I add an element of the worst case scenario, such as not using the wire cutters that I keep in my turnout coat pocket. 
Can I get through the scenario without them? What are some things I can do that will help me out in the situation if I didn't have these wire cutters with me? I run my mind through all possible scenarios that I can think of while going through that drill. That way, when I'm asked to go through it again, or if I'm met with that scenario in real life, I'm more than prepared and more than capable in getting myself out of that mess. I expect the worst and I hope for the best. I'm prepared for the worst in that I keep a working pair of wire cutters readily accessible. And that's just that specific example. But I'm hopeful that I'm never in a situation where I'll have to use them. This mentality emphasizes my effort in positive thinking versus negative thinking because I am preparing for negative situations. I'm positive that I've done the work required to put me in a place mentally and physically that I can overcome any obstacle thrown my way. If and when I find myself grumbling or thinking negatively about a situation or some element of bureaucracy that I may be dealing with at work, I immediately chase those thoughts with three positive things. They can be directly related to the situation or they can be things in general that have a positive impact on my life. For example, if I get called to a residence at 3 a.m. for someone who continually falls out of bed, uh, they're a known fall risk and, and they're calling us every set or every shift and I'm grumbling about it, I immediately think of three positive things to encounter that mentality. Now that doesn't mean that I, I don't, you know, grumble or complain about it. And I might, and I might openly do that, but that's just me relieving that stress. But at the same time, what I do is I counter it. I counter it with three positive things. And they may look something like this. One, I'm getting paid to do the best job in the world. Two, I'm healthy and fit enough to where I don't need help getting up off the ground at 3 a.m. And three, that video of the dog I saw playing with a stuffed version of himself earlier was super cute and super hilarious. I expect the worst, but I hope for the best. And when I find myself getting bogged down by any negative thought, I immediately saturate my mind with three positive things. And what I have discovered that that does is it has literally reprogrammed my brain. So if I do observe a negative situation or if I'm like feeling negative about something, my mind is now trained to the point where I don't really even have time to think about the negative thing because my mind is, is, is rapid fire searching for those three positive things. It's too busy focused on identifying three positives that it barely has time to even recognize the negative. Number five, embrace the balances in life like giving and receiving. Just like we freely offer our help to anyone and everyone asking for it as firefighters and first responders, we need to humble ourselves and ask for help from time to time. I understand that, that we as firefighters and EMS professionals are the ones who people look to for strength and answers in times of emergency or catastrophe. However, that doesn't mean that we can't and shouldn't feel like we can ask for help for ourselves. It takes a different kind of strength to ask for, for help. It does. It's a, it's a strength of humility. We need to put aside our pride and understand that while we're the ones with special training and a certain mental fortitude that allows us to do the job we do, we need to keep balance in our lives by asking for help from others. 
It doesn't make us weak. It doesn't make us incapable. And if anything, it makes us stronger. Think about it. If there's something that the strongest man is having an issue with and he seeks out someone to help him shore that thing up, doesn't he become stronger? I use a lot of superhero analogies, so I'm going to use another one here. So think about Superman. He's basically unbeatable, right? However, he still has feelings and emotions tied to his relationships. And it was Lois Lane that helped him to embrace his quote-unquote humanity and relate to her and the people that he serves. Superman got help from her, and she helped make him stronger. Why do we sometimes think that we're better than that? The answer is pride. And we need to let go of that ego that's holding us back from doing amazing things. Number six, seek out meaning and purpose. If you've never read the book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, you need to. Dr. Victor, uh, Dr. Victor Frankl was the psychological challenger to Sigmund Freud in that Freud proclaimed that man's actions could all be traced back to his selfish and most often sexual desires for personal gain, while Dr. Frankl's rebuttal was that man's actions could be traced back to his sense of meaning and purpose. Dr. Frankel argued that a sense of purpose and fulfillment was greater was a greater driving force than selfish gain could ever be. Dr. Frankel's work on logotherapy, which is what it's titled, which is the idea that the primary motivational force of any individual is to find meaning in life, stemmed from his time spent in Nazi concentration camps. While there, he made numerous observations how his fellow prisoners would die much sooner if they gave up hope rather than hold tight to it and center their day and thoughts around something that gave them meaning, however little of it there was in that environment. Are we so prideful that we're going to rely on our environment, our administrators, and supervisors to provide that meaning for us while Dr. Frankel was able to survive three, I think it was three separate, it was at least two uh, separate Nazi concentration camps by finding minuscule sources of meaning. Seems like a pretty entitled and selfish thought to me to, to put that on other people. The only person who can find meaning in your life is you. Your happiness relies on you. Your sense of fulfillment relies on you, your attitude, and on your efforts. Find the good in any bad situation, and you'll be able to identify purpose that may very well turn into the thing that you build your life and your career around, just like Dr. Frankel did. If you're struggling to find motivation or purpose in the current environment that you're in, you can download uh, the free motivation worksheet that I've been mentioning over the past couple episodes. There's a link on my website, or you can visit the podcast show notes through the app that you're listening to this on. Number seven, do not ignore your emotions. A lot of times as firefighters and first responders, we drown out our emotions with alcohol and, and a bunch of different vices uh, as a way to escape having to deal with those emotions. That's not what being an adult is all about. And, and what a, what a stifled dull existence that would be. So I encourage you to read books, watch movies, experience your feelings. These aren't the only sources for exploring your emotions. Um, but they're the most readily available sources I feel. 
as you use these mediums like books and movies, uh, think about the conflicts that you're witnessing and formulate ideas on how you'd handle the situation. I've had numerous people try to convince themselves that this is impossible by telling me things like, well, you can't prepare for how you'll react in a situation until you experience that situation. This is total BS, and I'll give you two examples as to why. Number one, if we can't prepare for how we'll react in a given situation, then why the hell do we train? Why spend hours on the training ground and weeks in a fire academy if we aren't able to harness our emotions and reactions to a point where we can operate in a controlled manner? That argument makes absolutely no sense and it's just an excuse for people to be lazy. Number two, uh, I consciously made the decision, this is a little personal, I consciously made the decision long ago that I wouldn't ever drink alcohol. So when I was presented with opportunities to do so by friends and family, it was that much easier to, to say no. My family was destroyed by alcohol abuse and I've had family members who were killed as a result of drunk driving. I made the decision early on that I'd never put myself in a category with the people responsible for those things. By doing that early on and making the commitment to myself, I was able to stand firm in my decision when the time came to proclaim it. So when somebody tells you, oh, you can't prepare until you're in that experience, you'll never know, you can't say how you'll act until you're in that experience. That's total BS, total BS. Don't believe them. They're just making excuses because they're lazy and weak and they couldn't do it themselves. So moving on, I love books. If you follow me, if you if you follow my Ignited stuff on Instagram and Twitter and, and Facebook and whatnot, uh, you know that I love books. I even started a Ignited Readers Book Club. So that's on Facebook. If you want to join a book club and get an idea for um, some great books to read and have some great conversations with some fellow book lovers, then join the Ignited Readers Book Club on Facebook. Uh, I love to read. I read as many books as I can get my hands on. My Amazon wish list labeled books is in the hundreds. <laughs> books allow me to experience things that I may not otherwise ever get to experience in life. I'm exposed to relationships, moral dilemma, scientific breakthrough, psychological exploration, and sometimes even elements of fantasy. And by exposing yourself to these different emotions that are a result of reading books, you become more able to navigate your emotions by asking yourself, why am I feeling this way? Or what would I do if that were me in that situation? The author of the Game of Thrones series, which I have yet to read, uh, said it best when he said, a reader lives a thousand lives. The man who never reads lives only one. So finally, we've come to number eight. Build the well before you're thirsty. They say that when you experience the sensation of being thirsty, that you're already dehydrated. It's already too late. You're already behind the eight ball. The same can be said for physical and emotional preparedness. Don't for one second think that you'll be able to pull off some Al Bundy, Uncle Rico miracle play in the fourth quarter of the situation if you haven't put in the work and preparation to do so. Both of those characters are extremely pathetic. And if you have the mentality that has you thinking that you'll somehow rise to the occasion, 
then you are sadly mistaken. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Train your mind. Train your body. Train yourself in your ability to control your emotions so that they don't control you. Do these things so that when the trumpets of war sound, you are ready to answer the call to arms. Our careers require that we stand at the ready, not lounge in a recliner until we're too fat and lazy to move. Make an active effort to be physically, mentally, and emotionally ready to answer the call to arms. There are a couple of resources that I mentioned earlier in this episode, like the Motivation Worksheet and the 28-Day Ignition Workout Program. You can find links to both of those in the show notes, and you can also find links to them on my website at ignitedff.com. Thank you for listening to the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. Please subscribe and share. As we delve deeper into these issues that we cover, we can come together and help each other learn and grow. Remember, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IgnitedFF. And I'd also like to invite you all to join the Ignited Firefighters Facebook group. This is where firefighters and EMS professionals can come together and discuss the challenges that we face and connect with others who are dealing with similar challenges. As we lift each other, we become stronger. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, if you see a need, own it and take action. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited. Ignited.